0: The following lecture was recorded in a classroom-like setting in which only the lecture was recorded because of this the participation of the classroom cannot be heard when someone asks a question or makes a comment there will be a brief break in the audio once the question or comment is finished the lecturer will begin speaking again thank you for understanding and we hope you enjoy the message all right good evening everyone i'm glad that you were able to make it tonight we were a little concerned when we saw the number of people here at dinner that we might not be able to, to do it. But you guys are here. We're going to do this tonight. Um, this is uh, uh, definitely a good enough group to do the activities that we had planned. And, uh, and for the few people who either aren't here yet um, or for uh, you know, the couple families that are actually out of town, um, we are recording this so they'll be able to watch it later. Um, it's just not as ideal, obviously, because some of the things we're doing in class are designed to help you learn it here on the spot. Um, and it's going to be more difficult to do that if you don't have other people to to do these exercises with. So, um, that said, I'm thankful you're here, and uh, I'm gonna. We're all gonna pray together right now, and just that ask that God would bless this time and uh, and grow us in our ability to be uh, good defenders of the faith. So, with that, so let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're thankful for this night. We're thankful for this place that you've given us to gather. And we're so thankful for one another. Thank you so much, Lord, for each of the brothers and sisters that you've blessed us with in Christ here at this church. We, we pray, Lord, that this uh, time of study tonight would be pleasing to you. Use it to edify us. Use it to, uh, to increase our own confidence in, uh, in the truth claims of your word and of this faith that we believe. And use it as well, Father, to help make us better uh, defenders of, of your word, to help make us able to, to prove the truthfulness of your gospel better with the loss in our lives who don't know you. And we pray, Lord, that as a result of us being better apologists, better defenders of your truth, we pray that you would use our reasoning with other people uh, to help them come to not only understand the truth, but to believe it themselves, and by your Holy Spirit, make them alive so that they respond with repentance and faith uh, to the gospel that we share. We pray that you would do this for your glory in us and out of your love for all of those in our lives who don't know you. Um, we ask that you would do this also out of your love for us. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right. Well, welcome to the second session of our Proving Christianity series. Uh, Last week, I know I sent out an email uh, asking you to bring the notes back uh, from last week. Uh, Hopefully, you you were able to bring them back. If not, you're out of luck for tonight. Um, We're going to be using the second, we're going to be using the back side of it uh, to to, uh, take notes on the next part of the of the teaching series, but the first part of it we 're going to use for a quick review uh, if you 'll recall last week we talked about what faith is, what reason is, how those two things relate, and then we also talked about uh, what apologetics is, and what it 's useful for, both for believers and for unbelievers uh, now if you 'll recall in uh, when we started off this series last week, I talked about how we 're not going to be teaching apologetics in a merely uh, academic fashion. Our goal is not for you to walk out of here more familiar with the top of, of, of apologetics uh, than when we began. It's for you to actually uh, develop certain skill sets, certain abilities that you'll be able to walk out of this teaching series with um, and do on your own. Specifically, we want you to be able to prove that Christianity is true without any recourse to notes or other resources. That's the goal. So we're going to do something here at the beginning just to help us remember and solidify what we learned last time. If you have your notes out in front of you, turn them down on the table so that you can't see your notes. Cover your notes from last time. Mm-hmm. Don't look at them. they will see, trust me. It, this will only take a couple minutes, but it will be really helpful for you. Have your notes turned down. And then I want you to close your eyes. You don't have to, but it, it, it's helpful to do this. Um, close your eyes. We're going to do a, a group meditation session. It's a joke. It's not actually, like, it is meditation in the biblical sense of the word. We're going to think about things together, think about things seriously together. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask you a quick series of questions. Okay, I'm going to give you 15 seconds in your own mind with your eyes closed to do your best to answer them from memory. Okay, so just do your best to answer these questions from memory. 15 seconds each, eyes closed, just answering them to yourself. Um, And again, this is going to be really short, but it should help you try to to, to solidify your memory of these things or at least get your brain going about what we discussed last time. So we're going to start. Eyes closed if it helps. Number one, define biblical faith. What is biblical faith? Answer in your mind. Question two, what does biblical faith consist of? Think of the three ingredients we talked about in the memory device that we used for it. Number three, what is reason? Number four, what has God given us reason for? What is it for? How does reason relate to faith? Again, think of the three ingredients. How does reason relate to those things? And when we discuss faith and reason, we talk about how God is sovereign over the process of people coming to faith. But where specifically do we discuss the Holy Spirit's work in that process? What does he do in that process? And lastly, what is apologetics? Apologetics. What's apologetics about? I lied, actually. There's one more. How is apologetics useful? How's it useful for believers? How's it useful for unbelievers? All right, you can open your eyes. I hope that group meditation session transported you to a better... No, I'm kidding. Um, I hope it was helpful in jogging your memory at least. Uh, Let's uh, briefly review what we talked about last time because our discussion today is going to build on that. Biblical faith, you can look at your notes now. Who wants to define biblical faith? Just do these really quickly. Biblical faith is trusting in God and his word. I gave you a memory device. To help you remember what biblical faith consists of, the three ingredients of biblical faith, what's the memory device? Cat. Cat. Faith is a furry cat, C-A-T. And those three ingredients were comprehension, agreement, and trust, right? Biblical faith involves comprehending the content of the faith, agreeing to that content, mentally agreeing with that content, and then placing your trust personally in Christ, leaning on Christ, depending on Christ, right? Now, what is reason? Can look at the dictionary definition there? So a reason is a justification for belief, but reason, generally speaking, just refers to your, your rational faculties, the, the mental power that we have to make inferences and judgments about stuff. And what has God given us reason for? If We think about this process. Right, so to discern, discover truth. and As we talked about reason, it's one of the most important tools we have to discern what things we should mentally agree with, right? Reason helps us move from comprehending a truth claim to agreeing with that truth claim. It helps move us from comprehension to agreement. That's why I liked the image of the brain. B is for brain, and B comes between C and A, right? B comes between C and A. We can go from comprehension to agreement using our brains, using reason. All right, um, how does reason relate to faith? Well, very simply, our trust in Christ uh, is uh, is interconnected with and in many ways depends upon certain things that we understand, certain things that we believe, right? Someone's not going to put their trust in Christ if they don't believe that God exists, if they don't believe that Jesus is God, if they don't believe that Jesus can really save them. Um, and so reason uh, relates to, 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 to faith by being the... Um, by being the tool that God's given us to help move from comprehension to agreement, right? All right, the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do? Yeah, so the Holy Spirit makes us alive, right? In the sense that just because we agree with the truth claims of the gospel doesn't mean that we're gonna respond in a righteous way. We're not gonna respond by repenting and trusting in Christ unless the Holy Spirit comes in and he gives us a new heart, unless he regenerates us. Um, So reason alone cannot produce faith, only the Holy Spirit can cause us to respond to truth claims, which God God may use reason to cause people to come to believe that the gospel is true, but it takes a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit in order for them to respond to that by actually repenting and believing in Christ and following after him. Now when we ask ourselves, how do we know that Christianity is true? I gave you the marriage example, I know that Sarah exists because I know Sarah. We know Christianity is true first and foremost because we know Christ. Right, But there's a lot of other things that support uh, that knowledge. When I talked about uh, the example with Sarah, we can point to a writing ring, we can point to kids, we can point to pictures on our phone, etc. And that's really what apologetics is dealing with. It's dealing with all of the other reasons um, that we have for knowing that Christianity is true in addition to our personal relationship with Christ. And those other reasons are very helpful because unlike our personal relationship with Christ, we can share those other reasons with somebody. Somebody else may not have that same personal relationship with Christ, but we can share these other reasons with them to help them see that the things that we're telling them are actually true. All right, as far as the, uh, the benefits of apologetics go, the benefits for believers are what? What's the benefit of apologetics for believers? Yeah, yeah, there you go. It strengthens the faith we already have, right? If we're believers, we already believe the gospel is true and we already trust in Christ, But seeing additional reasons for uh, why the gospel is true can help strengthen our confidence in the truth claims of the gospel and as a result should result in our faith being strengthened and all of the other benefits uh, that come with that. How about for unbelievers? They don't have faith yet. What's the benefit of apologetics for them? them them Yeah. 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 Yeah, so apologetics comes from the Greek word, which means defense. When we're talking about apologetics, we're talking about giving reasons for our faith, giving reasons for our faith. And giving reasons for our faith is beneficial for unbelievers because it can help them go from comprehending the things that we're saying to actually agreeing with the things that we're saying, right? And this is part of the process that God is sovereign over. and, And uh, part of the process that God often uses to bring people to a saving grace, right? Reasoning with people is one of the means that we see in Scripture, along with telling people the good news, proving to people that these things are true, um, is one of the means that God uses to, uh, uh, to bring people not only into agreement with the gospel, but then by His Holy Spirit, um, if He's pleased to, uh, to make them alive so that they respond to that by actually repenting of their sins and trusting personally in Christ. Um, so, Apologetics beneficial for believers because it strengthens the faith we already have. It's beneficial for unbelievers because it persuades them towards the faith they don't have yet. It persuades them towards the faith they don't have yet, and can be one of the means that the Spirit that God uses to cause them to come to agree with the truth, and then, if He's pleased, to regenerate them, repent and believe accordingly. All right. Uh, if you don't get any, if you. Kind of distill it down to one sense. All I want you to be thinking about is that apologetics, which is giving reasons for our faith, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, helps us go from comprehending truth claims to agreeing with truth claims. Giving reasons helps us go from C to A. B comes in between C and A. Any questions on that? All right. Good. Very concise summary of last time. Let's do this really quick. Uh, And I say really quick because I I want to try and keep this session shorter tonight. I want us to end no later than than 8.30. Um, Get together with a workout partner, a non-spouse, someone sitting close to you ideally, um, because we wanna do this quickly. And just take two minutes. It can be the same person last time or a different person from last time. Have one person explain what faith and reason is and how they relate, just very briefly. if you're explaining, try not to use your notes, but have the other person spot you. The workout analogy, if you've worked out with somebody before, is that if you're trying to lift a weight and you can't lift it up all the way, someone else who's spotting you will, will kind of help guide you. they will, help, help, uh, will provide a little bit of support so that you can get it up. right? So if you're the, if you're the spotter, try and help guide somebody along um, so that they get it. Don't guide them too much. Give them a chance to, you know, to actually try and, and get it right themselves. Um, but, uh, but if you're explaining, don't look at your notes. First person will just explain uh, what faith and reason is and how they relate. And then the second person will explain what apologetics is and why it's useful. So again, uh, I'll, I'll give you three minutes actually. Break up with workout partner. Do that very quickly. You, you, you can use somebody from last time too. That's fine. Thank yeah. All right, let's circle back together again. (laughs) Hopefully you had a chance to discuss those. We're going to be moving on now, so are there any questions that you have on faith, reason, apologetics, or the benefits of apologetics before we leave this topic? If you have questions, ask them now, or forever hold your peace. Never again. again. This is it. Last chance. Uh, well, I'll, I'll send you the recording from last time, because uh, th- this was the question that we uh, talked about um, in, in the last session. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and send that to you. <laughs> huh. All right. Does everyone have their notes filled in on this? No one's missing spaces? All right. So, oops. Oops. How do we strengthen the belief of believers? How do we help unbelievers come to agree with the truth claims of the gospel? We talked about that that's where apologetics comes in. How do we reinforce the faith we already have? Um, It's by giving us reasons to agree with these things, to believe these things that we comprehend, um, these truth claims that we comprehend. Yeah, that's certainly one reason, reason to, believe. to believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and as we talked about last time, for Christians, the primary reason that we know Christianity is true isn't ultimately because of, of uh, you know, arguments for the existence of God or the historicity of the resurrection or things like that. Um, for, uh, for most Christians, and rightly so, their primary, the primary way that we know Christianity is true is because that we, we actually know Jesus personally, right? Um, and that is, I think, the greatest reason that we could have for believing these things, but it's still a reason, Nonetheless, right, um, and so for us, you know, apologetics is about giving reasons to help believers and unbelievers alike more agree with the truth claims of uh, of the faith. Um, now, in apologetics, our primary tools are arguments. Our primary tools are arguments, um, and uh, the reason why I say that, no pun intended, is because uh, giving people reasons to believe, doing apologetics. Um, reasons to believe often come in the form of arguments. Now when I use the word argument, what am I referring to? Hey Brandon, how do you uh, oh, there we go. I'm not talking about what happens when your kids get upset with each other for uh, not quite pros and cons although that, that could be that could be part of one, right? So Not talking about what happens when you and your spouse disagree about what movie to watch, mm-hmm. all right? What do I mean by an argument? Anyone want yeah, like, to guess? Yes, sir. Okay. If yeah. Yeah. So defending your faith. Um, yeah, we use arguments for all kinds of things, right? Um, I'm going to give you a little bit more of a technical definition. I want you to write down on uh, on your sheet um, an argument. This is on the back side, by the way. Okay, yeah, thank you, Grandma. So an argument is where multiple propositions logically work together to support a conclusion. Multiple propositions logically work together to support a conclusion. Proposition is another word for a statement or an idea. Multiple propositions working together to support a conclusion. So, for example, last time I shared with you an argument for the existence of God. That's called the Kalam cosmological argument. We'll learn that one next time, actually. Yeah, go ahead, Patricia. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's okay. To support a, a conclusion, yeah. There you go. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Patricia. If, you, if anyone needs to, you know, pause too, don't, don't hesitate to ask. Because um, these things are really important. This is kind of the foundation for everything else we're, we're going to be doing um, in this class. Um, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to give you a, a, a quick example. So last time we talked about how the argument, uh, we talked about the argument that the universe began to exist. Right, The universe was either started by something or nothing. It wasn't started by nothing, therefore it was started by something. Right? And then we talked about what that something must be if the universe solved time, space, and matter. It must be timeless, spaceless, and material. And we developed it from there into a pretty full orb concept of God. We'll learn that next time. But if we take this, if we take part of that argument, that the universe was started... by something or nothing. And that's the first proposition, the first statement. And then we say that it wasn't started by nothing. Not nothing. That's the second proposition the second statement. That leads us to the conclusion that it must have been started by something, right? Say this is very this is very intuitive and obvious. I hope so, because it is. We're just thinking about it perhaps in a little bit more detail than you might, might ordinarily think about it. The propositions that logically work together to support a conclusion are called premises. And then, of course, the idea that they lead to are, is called the conclusion. You already knew that. And when I use the word logically, by that I'm referring to how some statements infer or entail other statements. Okay, sometimes we use the word logic a lot, but in a more formal sense, logic simply deals with the way some statements infer other statements. Logic deals with the way some statements infer other statements. So, for example, the fact that the universe was started by something or nothing... Paired with the proposition that it wasn't nothing necessarily entails that it must have been started by something. right? That's a logical inference from these two propositions. Um, now there are several different rules of logical inference, several ways that statements can work together to lead to a conclusion to infer something else or to necessarily entail something else. This example that I gave is what's called a disjunctive syllogism in logic, you do not need to know that. Um, the point is simply that uh, there's lots of different ways that statements can work together to infer something. There's lots of different uh, rules of inference. The reason why you don't need to know the name is because many of these are very intuitive and you would recognize um, just by, it, it, they're pretty obvious upon looking at it that, yeah, if it's one of these two things and it's not this thing, then it must be the other thing, right? Um, and, uh, and for the most part, the rules of inference are, are uh, um, Or uh, oftentimes the rules of inference are are very intuitive like that. Why is logic helpful? And why are we even talking about this? Uh, Well, quite simply because sometimes you can use statements that people already agree with to help them come to the conclusion uh, or to help them conclude uh, or or, or to to, to lead to a conclusion that they don't already agree with. Let me say that again. Uh, The reason why this is helpful is because you can use premises that they might accept to demonstrate or prove a conclusion that they might not accept yet. Right? Does that make sense? So if somebody doesn't believe that the universe was actually started by something, but they do agree with these two premises that it was either started by something or nothing, but that it couldn't have been started by nothing because it's impossible for nothing to do anything, then that necessarily entails that the universe was started by something, whether they recognize it or not. So you can use premises that people agree with to prove a conclusion that they might not agree with yet. It's a very powerful thing. Very powerful thing. Any questions on what an argument is? Premises working together, logically working together to infer or entail a conclusion. Crystal clear? All right. Oh, I hope it's clearer than mud. All right. I hope this doesn't make it. This is going to make it. Um, I'm going to add one more layer to this. Okay, you don't need to know a whole lot about how arguments work, but it is important to know this. There are two different types of arguments. Uh, There's more than two, but I'm only going to share two with you. Um, Different ways that multiple propositions can logically work together to support a conclusion. Um, There's two that I want you to be able to recognize. The first is what's called a deductive argument. You've heard these words before, and you're probably like, oh, no, I can't believe we we have to talk about this. The first is a deductive argument, and the second is an inductive argument. Again, just different ways that propositions can logically work together to support a conclusion. In a deductive argument, you have bigger premises. I'm just going to call this P1 and P2 premise 1 premise 2 that work together towards a smaller conclusion so the size of the statements decreases as you move towards the conclusion i want you to think deductive decrease deductive decrease the size of the statements decrease moving towards the conclusion, as you build up from the premises to the conclusion. It moves from more general premises to a more specific conclusion. So for example, this argument that I gave you is a deductive argument. The conclusion that something started the universe is smaller than the premises themselves because there's more, there's more content here, there's more information here in these premises in the sense that you have the universe was started by something or by, um, by nothing. That's a larger premise, a more general statement than the more specific conclusion, which is that the universe was started by something. So in a deductive argument, the size of the statements decreases, building up to the conclusion. Now in an inductive argument, it's the exact opposite. In an inductive argument, the premises increase in size as they lead to the, not the premises, but the conclusion is a broader statement or is a broader proposition than the premises themselves. So you have statements increasing in size as you build up to a conclusion. So, you hear inductive. I want you to think increase. Inductive, increase. In deductive arguments, the propositions decrease in size moving towards the conclusion. In inductive arguments, the propositions increase in size as they build up to a conclusion. In deductive arguments, you go from general premises to a specific conclusion, a smaller conclusion. In inductive arguments, you go from more specific premises to a more general conclusion. Here's an example of an inductive argument. When I hold this pen above the ground and let it go, it falls to the floor right away. When I hold this pen above the ground and let it go, it falls to the floor right away. When I hold my phone above the ground, you're saying, I get the point. It's an otter box, it's okay. If I let go of it, it falls to the ground right away, right? That was for shock effect. It has an otter box, so it's fine. I can conclude from that that whenever I hold an object above the ground and let it go, it falls to the ground right away, right? That's a very broad conclusion, it's a very big conclusion. I've concluded something now about all objects just from a few specific observations. Right, so moving from small, specific premises, small, specific observations, to a more general conclusion. You have statements increasing in size as they build up to the conclusion. The conclusion is more general than the premises. Does that make sense? Here's why this is really important. This is not just so that you can feel a little bit more knowledgeable about How arguments work. Um, By the way, inductive arguments, this is how most of science is done. Most of science um, uh, utilizes what's uh, what's called the inductive method, making particular observations, uh, oftentimes repeated observations and drawing a general conclusion from those observations. Um, The reason why this is really important to recognize for our purposes is because in deductive arguments the conclusion is decisive. The conclusion is decisive. What I mean by that is that if everything else in the argument is right, we're going to talk about what that is uh, exactly a little bit later, if everything else in the argument is right, the conclusion is guaranteed to be true. It necessarily follows from the premises. We are 100% certain that the conclusion is true if the premises are true, and it's a logically valid argument. I'll explain that later, but the main idea is that if the argument is working properly, then the conclusion is decisive. Not so with an inductive argument. Everything can be right in an inductive argument, and yet the conclusion will always be indecisive. That's not to say we can't be very certain about the conclusion of an inductive argument. You can be virtually certain, but you can never be 100% certain. You can be 99.999%, but never 100% in an inductive argument. So deductive, decisive. Inductive, indecisive. 100% certain that the conclusion is true. The argument works we're not certain we're uh, we're not 100% certain that the conclusion is true even if the argument works even if we can be very close to 100%. So an inductive argument the conclusion is always going to be a matter of probability. Some will be more probable than others, but there's always a chance that a particular instance could disprove the more general conclusion that you had had reached. Yeah, mom. Yeah. So take the one I just showed you, right? You hold an object above the ground, you let go of it, and it falls to the ground right away. From that, I I, I move to the general conclusion that all objects fall to the ground right away when you let go. What if I hold a helium balloon in my hand and I let go of that? It's not going to fall to the ground right away, right? So there is a specific instance that's not included in the ones I discussed that actually disproves that more general conclusion that I had drawn from those premises, right? And that's why an inductive argument is always indecisive, because it's built off of a limited portion of the information that we really need, right? Now, sometimes they can still be very reliable, um, and they can be almost virtually certain, but never 100%, because there's always a chance that there might be some particular instance that could disprove it, right? Not so with a a deductive argument. Any questions on that? So, in a deductive argument, the conclusion is decisive if the premises are true and the argument works. In an inductive argument, even if the premises are true and even if the argument works, the conclusion is still indecisive. And I want you to remember that by looking at these two pyramids. Which one looks more stable to you? This one looks more stable, right? And it should be easy to remember. We've got deductive, decreases in size, moving towards the conclusion. The conclusion is more specific. The premises are more general. And the conclusion, if everything works, will be decisive. We'll know it to be true with 100% certainty. In an inductive argument, it's not so. The premises are more specific than the conclusion. The conclusion's broader, it's bigger, it's more general, and will always be indecisive. So inductive, indecisive, and inductive arguments, the size of the statements increases building up towards the conclusion. The conclusion is more general. It's bigger than the premises themselves. Any questions on that? Now, for apologetics, it's really powerful to understand the difference between these two types of arguments. And the reason why is because what I gave you here is a deductive argument. That means that if everything else is right, this conclusion is certain. This conclusion is unavoidable. It's decisive. If you're going to be thinking rationally, this conclusion is necessarily entailed. You must accept it. That's the power in understanding this. That if somebody agrees with you on these premises, somebody agrees with you on the premises of a, of a deductive argument that you're sharing with them, then they have to accept the conclusion rationally. It's logically entailed. And the cool thing is many of the arguments that we're going to discuss in this session uh, particularly the arguments for God's existence, are deductive arguments. That means that uh, if the premises are true and people agree with them, then they must also agree with the conclusion that God exists because it's necessarily entailed from those. Um, now, just because something's framed as a deductive argument doesn't make it automatically true. It depends, the truthfulness of the conclusion depends on the truthfulness of the premises, right? The premises have to be true. And so whenever you make a deductive argument or you, or you listen to one and evaluate one, um, you know, the, the truthfulness of the conclusion is going to depend on the truthfulness of the premises. The more likely the premises are true, the more likely the conclusion is going to be true. And so the process then is, is one of examining the evidence for the premises. Are these premises really true? or perhaps are they more plausibly true than false if so then we can have good grounds for accepting the conclusion so, um, I have a so yeah me, there, mm-hmm. would that be something um, once like baby back to say they they bring they bring uh, like a good argument but it's so vague once you get to to really study it or to know or yeah that's a good question patricia um you can uh you can make deductive and inductive arguments for the same point so there will be someone arguing for pedo baptism might try and make deductive arguments for it or they might try to make inductive arguments for it yeah 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 so and and just because someone makes an argument doesn't mean it's good either we're going to talk about what makes an argument good in just a second um but, uh, but just to give you an example, an inductive argument for paedo-baptism would be something like every instance in Scripture um, that you see baptism, it's a baptism of a baby. That's not true, but let's just pretend that it was. Then they could draw the conclusion from there, generally, that all baptisms are supposed to be baptisms for babies, right? Or a deductive argument would be, um, you know, God's Word says to baptize babies. Um, everything God's Word says is true, therefore it's true that we must baptize babies. So that's just different ways of, um, of, uh, of um, there are uh, different ways that, Propositions can work together to lead to a conclusion. Um, in a deductive argument, the conclusion's going to be decisive if the premises are true. In an inductive argument, the conclusion might be true, um, but you can't be 100% certain of it. All right, so we're going to learn this in a fun way. Uh, Brandon, can you do the slides for me? Actually, I didn't pull it up yet. Uh, go ahead and on your email, Uh, the email that I sent out yesterday, you're going to see a link to a game. And you'll click on that link. I'm going to give you a pin to enter here in just a second. And what we're going to do is we're going to play a fun little game together that will help you recognize these arguments as you see them. Is everyone uh, seeing the email that I talked about? Hey, Brandon, would you be able to Click next on this for me. (laughs) All right. Can you put that up on the screen? see it up on everybody's phones, that's good. So the first game that we're going to play is called Philosopher's Fashion. It's a fancy name. Basically, the, uh, the game that we're going to play is going to give you a chance to identify the argument style. What style argument are we looking at here? Is everyone able to see this or is the board in the way? Is the board in the way? Okay, I'll just move it out really quick. Yeah, that's okay. Let's push it over here. So what's the philosopher's fashion in this argument? All right, so you're just going to enter that pin up there at the top. Now, here's the thing. I want everybody to pick a fun name, a fake name. Don't use your real name. Okay, just because it's not very fun. All right, maybe Tina can be up there. It also helps because if you use your real name and you're not doing well, then we can all see that you're not doing well, and so it's also just, it's for your own integrity too, to not, uh, to not use it. There we go. Um, you can pick your favorite superhero, pick your favorite movie character, pick your favorite Bible character. Don't pick Jesus, though. I don't want to see his name up there, especially if it's someone who's not doing well. That said, failure is an important part of learning, so if you're not doing well, that's okay. We just don't want people to know that you're not doing well, so pick a fake name. That's good. I'm going to be giving you a lot of examples of arguments. These come from yourdictionary.com, examples, yourdictionary.com. I think we have a lot of people on there. Is everyone in there? Everyone in there? Oh, you didn't get the email? Um, Do you have your phone with you? Okay. Yeah, so you're just going to the the website is just is right there www.kahoot.it it Yeah. All right, so the way this game works is it's going to show you an argument, very short argument, like two or three sentences. And you're going to have the choice to make it, you're going to have the choice to to identify it as a deductive argument or an inductive argument. You only have 20 seconds to identify it. The faster you identify it, the more points you get. And it's going to show a scoreboard after each round of who's doing the best at this. I want to see everybody do well. If, if we don't all do well, then I probably didn't explain it clearly, in which case it will be an opportunity for us to, to clarify whatever needs to be clarified. But I think we're probably all in now. Good to go? You still trying to log in? Yeah, so the opportunity to put in the game pin should come up after you put in Kahoot.it. And then, uh, there we go. All right. Let's go ahead and get started then. You start, Brent? All right. Next slide. Need to focus. All right. All dolphins are mammals. All mammals have kidneys. Therefore, all dolphins have kidneys. deductive or inductive all right that's good most of you recognize that's deductive right it's going from very general premises to a more specific conclusion, and the conclusion necessarily follows right If all dolphins are mammals and all mammals have kidneys, then it's necessarily true that all dolphins have kidneys, right? Deductive. Decreases in size towards the conclusion, and conclusion is decisive. All right, next. Nickname is at the top. Next. All right, we'll go through the rest of these faster. All birds have feathers. All robins are birds. Therefore, robins have feathers. All right. We had more people get that one right, but there were also more people guessing that time. So, all right. Good job. Yep. Deductive argument. Next. (laughs) Gustavo takes the lead. All right. Next. Mary and Jim are left-handed and use left-handed scissors. Bill is also left-handed. Therefore, Bill uses left-handed scissors. Are so fun. All right, good job. Inductive. Inductive. Premises increase in size towards the conclusion, and the conclusion is indecisive, right? We don't know for sure that Bill uses left-handed scissors. He might, but he might not, right? Next. What's up, back? Or what's up takes the lead. Next. In the summer, there are ducks on our pond, Therefore, summer will bring ducks to our pond. Good job. Inductive. Next one. What's up? Still in the lead? Next. It's dangerous to drive on icy streets. The streets are icy now, so it would be dangerous to drive on the streets. (laughs) Deductive, very good. All right, next. You guys are doing a great job. Darth Athanasius, I think I can guess who that is. All cats have a keen sense of smell. Fluffy is a cat, so Fluffy has a keen sense of smell. Wow, six and six that time. All right, let's work through this. All cats, very broad, very general, have a keen sense of smell. Fluffy is a cat, therefore Fluffy has a keen sense of smell. All right, what's a more specific statement here? Fluffy has a keen sense of smell. Or all cats have a keen sense of smell. Yeah, that's a broader statement, a bigger statement. The conclusion is smaller than the information contained in the premises, right? So you have the argument decreasing in size as it moves towards the conclusion. Deductive decrease. And the conclusion is also decisive as a result of this. All right, it's okay. Just learn from your mistakes. I all right, next one. We'll try it again. Maximilian is a shelter dog. He is happy. All shelter dogs are happy. Therefore, all shelter dogs are happy. All right. Good job. Very good. Cacti are plants, and all plants perform photosynthesis. Therefore, cacti perform photosynthesis. And you guys are doing a great job at this. Very good. 100% this time. Right on. All right. bees up there. Every chicken we've seen has been brown. All chickens in this area must be brown. The answer's coming very fast. Wow. 100%. You guys are doing great. Look at that. All right. We only have a few more questions left. Let's see if we can all Keep this perfect streak going. Red meat has iron in it, and beef is red meat. Therefore, beef has iron in it. Good job. General premises, more specific conclusion. Decreases in size going to conclusion, deductive. All right, every time you eat peanuts, you start to cough. You are allergic to peanuts. Therefore, you are allergic to peanuts. all right Yep, inductive very good the first lipstick in my bag is red the second lipstick in my bag is red therefore all the lipsticks in my bag are red good job very fast next acute angles are less than 90 degrees this angle is 40 degrees, so it must be an acute angle. Good job. All right, let's pause before moving on to that one. Any questions on deductive or inductive arguments after having had a chance to work through these? No questions yet? Make sense? Deductive, decrease, decisive. Inductive, increase, Indecisive. All right, Brandon, next. We're almost done here. Let's finish strong. Darth Athanasius, still in the lead. Most of our snowstorms come from the north. It's starting to snow. This snowstorm must be coming from the north. Good job. Inductive. It would be deductive if it said all of our snowstorms come from the north. Right? But because it's most of our snowstorms, we're talking about several particular instances leading to a general conclusion. That's inductive. Next. All right. Gigi's doing well there. My mother is Irish. She has blonde hair. Therefore, everyone from Ireland has blonde hair. True. Inductive. Good job. 100%. So we get the concept. All right. Next. I think there's only one more question left. Yeah, last question. Elephants have cells in their bodies, and all cells have DNA. Therefore, elephants have DNA. Good job. 11 to 1. All right, who won the Philosopher's Fashion? Number three, Belfie B. Very nice. Number two, Gigi. And number one, Darth Athanasius. Right. Very good. Good job, you guys. Well, as great as it is to be number one on the podium, the great thing is that the last two questions, everyone either got right or almost everybody got right, which is a great thing to see. That means we get the concept, you get the difference between deductive arguments, which decrease moving towards the conclusion, and are decisive conclusions, versus inductive arguments, which are increase moving towards the conclusion in size and are indecisive in their conclusion. Make sense? All right. So if you use a deductive argument in apologetics, it can be a very... You can leave that up, because we have one, one other one coming up in just a second. Um, deductive arguments are very powerful. And the reason why they're powerful is because if somebody agrees with you on these, they have to agree with you on this. If they agree with the conclusion... Uh, sorry, if they agree with the premises... The conclusion necessarily follows. All right, now, what makes an argument good exactly? Not all arguments are good arguments, right? What makes an argument good? I'm going to be talking specifically about deductive arguments here, but some of these things apply to inductive arguments too. This is an important question. Okay. If someone says um that Macintosh apples are mostly red mm. then Yeah. And that's, that's, not a, that's not a good argument. It's just causing more confusion. Right. Yeah, so there are such things as logical fallacies, right? Um, where people will make an argument in a way that, uh, that that's uh, that's fallacious, um, or maybe uh, maybe they won't be clear um, in defining their terms or in the premises that you're using. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of additional stuff that goes into making an argument good like that. Uh, when I'm talking here, I actually mean it in a much more basic sense. I'm talking about an argument that actually works. So there's three things, two that are essential, one that is really important, that an argument must have if it's going to be a good argument. The first is what's referred to as validity. The argument must be valid. Here's what I mean by that. You can write this down on your page. The premises logically lead to the conclusion. The premises logically lead to the conclusion. Here's a valid argument. I'll wait for you to write that. I see you writing still. The premises logically lead to the conclusion. Kirk likes all bread. Sourdough is a type of bread. Kirk likes sourdough. Right? That's a valid argument. The conclusion follows from the premises. Here's an invalid argument. Kirk likes all bread. Sourdough is a type of bread. Kirk likes sourdough more than French bread. Those statements are, are all true, right? I do like sourdough more than French bread. But does that follow from the two premises I shared? No. It doesn't, right? So it's not valid. The conclusion, even if it's true, doesn't follow from the premises. The fact that Kirk likes sourdough more than French bread. Does not follow from the fact that Kirk likes all bread and sourdough is a type of bread. Doesn't follow. The second thing an argument must be is sound. And when we use the word sound, what we mean is that the statements correspond to reality. Statements correspond to reality. So, in a deductive argument, if the premises are sound, which means if the statements are true, then the conclusion must be sound too. Take the argument I just shared. Kirk likes all bread. Sourdough is a type of bread. Therefore, Kirk likes sourdough. If all the statements are sound, if they all correspond to reality, then the conclusion is also true. However, the first statement, Kirk likes all bread, that might not be sound. That might not be true. There might be types of bread I don't like. Maybe there's gluten-free bread or whole grain bread or Something that, no offense if you have to eat like that, but certain breads that I might, I might find disgusting, that you know, maybe I don't like all bread. And if that's the case, then that first premise is not sound. And so the argument doesn't work. If one of the premises isn't sound, then it doesn't matter if it's a valid argument. It might still be a valid argument, but the conclusion doesn't necessarily follow. Argument doesn't, isn't good if I don't actually like all bread, if that premise isn't sound. Now, the last piece isn't essential, but it is really important. And that last piece is persuasiveness. The argument must be persuasive. Here's an argument that's valid and sound. If the Bible is God's word, then it must be inerrant. the Bible is God's word, therefore, the Bible must be inerrant. I actually heard this argument or a similar one used in a Christian context recently. That might be a persuasive argument for Christians who acknowledge that the Bible is God's word and that if it is God's word, it must be inerrant. Then the conclusion that the Bible must be inerrant would follow. Um, But it's persuasive to a Christian because we agree with those premises. Is that going to be a persuasive argument for an atheist? No, why not? They don't agree with the premises, right? The premises are true, they're they're sound, and it's a valid argument. But but, But an atheist wouldn't be persuaded by it because, again, they don't accept the premises, and if they're the ones that we're trying to convince, then it's really not a good argument. Not a good argument for them, at least. All right, so in order for an argument to be useful and effective at helping people come to agree with our truth claims, it must be valid, it must be sound, and it must be persuasive. Okay? Any questions on that? It, it can still be, the argument still works. Um, it's just that people might not be convinced by it. Right? So the argument I, I just share with you, um, that if the Bible's God's word, then it must be an inerrant. Um, the Bible's God's word, therefore it's inerrant. Those premises are true, it's a valid argument, the argument works and it might be persuasive for Christians, but it's not going to be very useful for an unbeliever who doesn't believe that the Bible's God's word, right? All right, any other questions on these three things? We're going to play one other game. Brandon, could you go or I'll I'll be right back actually. What was that? The last statement? Sorry. If the premises are accepted by the people you want to convince. Yeah, if the premises are accepted by the people you want to convince. All right. Go ahead and pull up that link on your phone one more time. I'm going to give you a different pin code to enter. There it is right there. Go back to that link. Click on it one more time. Yeah, you're just going to go back to that link that I sent in the email. Yeah, you might have to close out of the previous one and just go back to the email. game pin is 173-1454. 173-1454. So many of these examples come from the same source that I mentioned earlier, or they were adapted from it. Alright. Is everyone on there? I see a few people missing. For time's sake, we'll have to go ahead and, uh, and get started. <laughs> That's good. Andrea doesn't want to be associated with whoever that is. Alright, this game is called Emergency Room. It's called Emergency Room because you're going to have a number of arguments wheeled in front of you. They're bad arguments and you're going to identify what's wrong with it. So here comes the first one. My mother is Irish. Everyone from Ireland has blonde hair. Therefore, my mother has blonde hair. Is this a valid or an invalid argument? Sorry, it's up there. Valid or invalid? Oh, everybody got it wrong. Yeah, that's a great point, Tina. So, this is the difference between validity and soundness. An argument can be valid without being sound, without being true. Right? It's valid in that the conclusion necessarily follows from the premises, right? But the premises aren't true. It's not true that everyone from Ireland has blonde hair, but it does follow from those premises. The conclusion follows from it. Does that make sense? That's why, no, no. Oh, it, it's, yeah, it, th- so this is why it's important to distinguish between these. Someone can pre- present a valid argument, for example, that God doesn't exist, but that doesn't mean that the conclusion is true, right? Because the premises also have to be sound. The premises have to be true. In the same way, we can present a valid argument that God does exist, but it doesn't work unless the premises are true, right? It might be valid, but not necessarily true. All right, let's try again. Next. Glad that we had a chance to get it all out of our system up front, right? All right, look at that. Scoreboard's even. You have, you have a chance to, to keep going here. All right, all actors wear cologne. Tom Cruise wears cologne. Therefore, Tom Cruise is an actor. Is this a valid or an invalid argument? By the way, focus more on getting it right as opposed to hitting it, <laughs> hitting the button as soon as, you, <laughs> as soon as you see it come up. You'll get more points if you get the answer right. All right. Better than last time. This is an invalid argument. All right. Tom Cruise is an actor, so here we go. All the statements are true. Well, I don't know. Maybe all actors don't wear cologne. (laughs) But let's say all the statements are true. Okay? All the statements are true, but the conclusion that Tom Cruise is an actor does not follow from the fact that all actors wear cologne, cologne and Tom Cruise wears cologne. I might wear cologne, but that doesn't make me an actor, right? Right? I might wear cologne, but that doesn't mean I'm an actor. The conclusion doesn't necessarily follow from the premises. Make sense? It's okay if you're getting it. It's okay if it takes a few times. So a valid argument would be all actors wear cologne. Tom Cruise is an actor, Therefore, Tom Cruise wears cologne. That would be valid, right? Because that conclusion does follow from the premises. Uh, It's okay, though. We're we're doing this to get practice, okay? You can have a valid argument without the premises being true, right? Validity is just referring to the fact that the conclusion follows from the premises, whether the premises are true or not, okay? Let's, Let's try again. I, I think you'll, I think you'll get the hang of it. All right. Next, all farmers like burgers. Jethro likes chicken wings. Therefore, Jethro is not a farmer. Is this valid or invalid? Just ask yourself: Does the conclusion does the conclusion follow? From the premises. Don't ask yourself, is the, are the premises true? Just ask yourself, does the conclusion follow? Okay, does the conclusion that Jethro is not a farmer follow from the fact that Jethro likes chicken wings and that all farmers like burgers? It doesn't, right? Maybe Jethro likes burgers too. Yeah. Yeah, so again, the, the reason why this argument is invalid has nothing to do with whether the premises are true. It's invalid because the conclusion doesn't follow from the premises. The conclusion that Jethro is not a farmer doesn't follow from the fact that all farmers like burgers and that Jethro likes chicken wings. Now, if it said Jethro does not like burgers, then the conclusion would follow. Wasn't a right. If all farmers like burgers and Jethro doesn't like burgers, then Jethro wouldn't be a farmer. Right, that would follow from the premises. Yeah, like right. <laughs> right. Especially all right, next. <laughs> all swans are white. Jane is white. Therefore, Jane is a swan. <laughs> is it valid or invalid? Does the conclusion follow from the premises? Does it follow from the premises? Very good. It doesn't follow. Yeah, exactly. There are other things that are white that aren't swans. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Now, if it said that Jane is a swan, then the conclusion would follow. Or, sorry, if it said all swans are white and Jane is a swan, then you could conclude that Jane is white, right? That would follow. But this conclusion is not. Next, all right. Question five. You guys are doing good. All of our snowstorms come from the north. It's starting to snow, therefore the the storm is coming from the north. Is this valid or invalid? Just ask again, when we're asking about validity, we're not asking about is it true. Good job. You see, you guys are getting it. You guys got it. Good job. Seven out of two. Again, the question is does the conclusion follow from the premises? And the answer is yes. If it's true that all of our snowstorms come from the north and it's starting to snow, then this one must come from the north too, right? That follows from the premises. It's valid. Whether that's true or not, we have no idea. But the argument's valid, at least. The conclusion follows from the premises. All right, next. Good job. All right, what's coming in the emergency room next? All right, Pastor Keith is a bird. All birds like to fly. Pastor Keith likes to fly. Is it invalid or is it unsound? Unsound. Unsound means the premises aren't true all right let's talk about this this is a valid argument this is a valid argument it's valid because the conclusion necessarily follows from the premises the conclusion necessarily follows from the premises but the premises are not true is pastor keith a bird No. no he's not i can testify that he's not a bird he does like to fly. That, the conclusion might, and so one of the reasons why this is good is because the conclusion might still be sound, right? But it doesn't mean that it follows from the premises, right? Or it doesn't mean that it's true because, because the argument works. That's actually the right way to put it. So this is a valid argument. If all birds like to fly and Pastor Keith is a bird, then Pastor Keith likes to fly. That's a valid argument. The problem with this argument is not its validity. The problem is with its soundness. The problem is the premises are not true. It is not true that Pastor Keith is a bird. Right? So even if the conclusion is true, which it is, Pastor Keith does like to fly, it's not true because of these reasons. Does that make sense? Ask questions if you have questions. How how can I clarify? Any questions are welcome. We'll probably stop after this because this is... I was hoping to get a lot further tonight, but this is, uh, this is, it's really important to get this right because apologetics is all about making good arguments in defense of the faith. And validity, soundness, and persuasiveness are the three things that you need in order to make a good argument. And it's what you'll be when others, make, when others share arguments with you, not only about spiritual things, but about anything for that matter. This is how you'll evaluate it. Is the argument they're making valid or the premises sound? And do I accept these premises? Is it persuasive for me? So any questions on this statement? If you have questions, feel free to ask. That's what we're here for. We're here to learn, right? What questions? All right. I'll take it there is none. We'll just go, go on to the next question. Beep is coming up to the top there. All right. All athletes hate sports. LeBron James is an athlete. Therefore, LeBron James hates sports. What's wrong with this? All right, good job. So is the argument valid? Is the argument valid? Does the conclusion follow from the premises? It is valid. Yeah, so that the, problem, the problem with this argument is that it's unsound. The problem is that this, the premises are not true, right? It's not true that all athletes hate sports. They hated sports, they wouldn't be doing it. Exactly, yeah. So, look at your sheet. Look at the definitions that we have there. That might be helpful. An argument is valid if the premises logically lead to the conclusion. An argument is sound if the statements correspond to reality. In this argument, the conclusion follows from those premises. The problem is that the premises are not sound. The premises are not true. Any questions on that? If all athletes hate sports and LeBron James is an athlete, then LeBron James must hate sports too. That's a valid argument. The problem is not its validity. The problem is that the statements are not true. The statements are unsound. Any questions on that? All right, next one. You guys are doing good. Six got it right. All right. Question eight All billionaires have a lot of money. Bill Gates is a billionaire. Bill Gates, therefore, was a very successful businessman. Unsound or invalid? Good job. All right. Does the conclusion follow from the premises? Does Bill Gates being a successful businessman follow from billionaires having a lot of money and him being a billionaire? Does the conclusion follow? No, it does not. Yeah, yeah. So the conclusion does not follow from the premises. It's not a valid argument. Now, the interesting thing about this is it's not valid, but all the statements are true. All the statements are sound. It's just that the conclusion doesn't follow from those premises, right? Bill Gates was a very successful businessman, and billionaires have a lot of money, and Bill Gates is a billionaire. Is but those premises don't lead to that conclusion. So why isn't it called unsound instead of because all of that's a good question, Grandma. It's because all of the statements are sound. Oh, all of the statements correspond to reality, right? Mm-hmm. All the statements are true. Yeah, that's okay. So here's, here's the way to make it simple, right? Validity refers to the conclusions following from the premises. Soundness refers to the premises being true. A conclusion can follow from premises, even if the premises aren't true. Just means that the conclusion might not be true, too. All right, next, sli- next slide. Only two more. All moms have children. Kirk is not a mom, therefore Kirk has children. Is this invalid or unsound? Does the conclusion follow from those premises? are the statements untrue all right so is it true that all moms have children yes Yes, all moms have children you're not a mom if you don't have children (laughs) right (laughs) it's late at night it's okay you have children mom yes i promise you all moms have children is it true that kirk is not a mom Yes, that is true. And is it true that Kirk has children? So all the statements are true. That it's all sound. Right? But the conclusion doesn't follow from those things. Right? The fact that all moms have children and Kirk is not a mom doesn't mean that Kirk has children. Right? It's not a valid argument. Everything might be sound, but it's not valid. I'm sorry if it's it, it, it. It's okay that it can be. It, it's it, it's it's okay. It's okay that it can be challenging at first. All right. Um, the reason why we're doing these exercises because again, our goal in this class is not for you to simply be more familiar with you know the arguments or in apologetics, is for you to be able to share these yourself. And in order for you to appreciate the arguments uh, that we're going to be sharing, um, it's important to understand what it is that makes an argument good. And you'll see the arguments that we're giving for the existence of God are good arguments. They're valid, they're sound, and they'll be persuasive for a lot of people. So, for you to understand what those three, thing, three things mean it's going to be important um, for you to be able to appreciate the arguments that we're going to be you know, discussing, obviously. All right, next. We only, uh, beep is up at the top two. All right, question 10. Siblings never quarrel. Abby and Ellie are siblings. Therefore, Abby and Ellie never quarrel. Those are my daughters. Is this invalid or unsound? Does the conclusion follow from the premises? If it does, then it's valid. Well, is it, let me ask you this. Is it true, is it true that siblings never quarrel? Definitely not. If it were true, then the conclusion would also be true, right? Abby and Ellie are siblings, and if siblings never quarrel, then Abby and Ellie never quarrel. The conclusion follows from the premises. The problem with this argument is that it's unsound, right? The problem with this argument is that it's not true (laughs) that siblings never quarrel. Siblings do quarrel. In fact, they quarrel quite a bit, a lot more than they should. All right, next. You guys are doing good, though. All right, one more question. Last question of the night. Here you go. Freshly baked bread is delicious. Everyone should enjoy delicious things. Everyone should enjoy freshly baked bread. There's only two answers. Surprised that this one was so hard. This was a joke question, and both of the answers were right. This was, su- <laughs> this was supposed to be a joke, <laughs> but you guys took it seriously. I, I appreciate your seriousness. That's good. All right, you all got it right. It is. There's nothing wrong with it. It's an irrefutable argument. I don't know, actually, if, when I wrote that, if those things are true. I just, you know, was having fun there at the end and threw, threw, in, a, threw in a joke for you. So, all right. Next, next one. <laughs> All right, who won? Who won this? Let's see. Watermelon got three. And Pluto number two. And then who is it the same at the top? Darth Athanasius. I can guess who it is. Does he want to reveal his secret identity, his personal identity? Or should I reveal it? I really hope yeah. That's <laughs> the I right. Good job, Brandon. All right, I appreciate your guys' willingness to, uh, to work on that. Um, the, uh, if you don't have it down perfectly, that's okay. The goal is not to be able to explain to somebody um, the difference between soundness and validity and persuasiveness. The main goal for you is to be able to recognize it yourself when you see it. To recognize, is this argument valid? Does the conclusion follow from the premises they're sharing? And then to be able to recognize whether or not those premises are actually sound. Are the premises true? And then to ask yourself if this is going to be a persuasive argument. Are the people that I want to convince going to accept these premises? If not, it's probably not going to be useful for them, right? So a good argument must be valid, sound, and persuasive. Any questions on that? If it's not 100% clear, that's okay. <laughs> got it? All right. I feel like it's clear, but then it leaves my mind all the time. But then it's clear. I know. So you're not kind of like, okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's okay. Those were tough exercises, especially because if this is your first time kind of working with these, um, working with these criteria. But uh, I'm glad that we had a chance to do that together. and uh, And this concludes... I was hoping to get much further than this tonight, but this conc- and I promise I will move further next time, but this concludes officially our introduction to apologetics. Everything that we've talked about thus far um, has been more for us. Uh, it hasn't really been things that are going to be uh, uh, super useful for unbelievers. And um, We've talked about you know, faith and reason, how they go together. We've learned the tools of apologetics, arguments, um, specifically logical arguments, what, and we've talked about you know, what makes arguments good. All of this stuff is more for you. Um, you're not going to be explaining to somebody what a deductive argument is. You might touch on it if somebody doesn't believe the conclusion, even though they believe the premises, then maybe you can tell them, hey, you know, if you accept these premises, then you have to accept this conclusion too. That's the way an argument works. That's the way a deductive argument works. Or maybe, maybe you'll use that. Um, but uh, but these, all these things that we've talked about, faith, reason, arguments. These are important foundations and tools for you that we're going to be building on and using as we move forward and actually look at what are the arguments for God's existence and for the truthfulness of Christianity. Um, and then you'll be asking yourself, are these arguments valid? Does the, does the conclusion follow the pre- from the premises? Are the premises true? And will these premises be accepted by the people I'm trying to convince? If so, then you've got some good arguments on your hands that you can use to help move people from comprehension of of the gospel to agreement with it, right? And that's why apologetics is useful not only for us as believers to help increase our own confidence, but also for unbelievers too. All right, any questions? Good job. I I know it's late. You guys did a great job tonight. Um, Thank you again for trying on those exercises. Let me go ahead and uh, close this out in prayer. We'll do that last part next time. Yeah, yeah, so bring back your, your sheet next time. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this night. We pray that you would make us the best uh, defenders of the truth possible. Um, please, Father, solidify these concepts for us. Help us to understand how, how arguments work and what makes an argument good, uh, that we might be able to appreciate the good arguments that we have for our faith and be able to uh, to, to be able to um, uh, see see bad, recognize bad arguments when, when we hear them. Uh, and by your grace be more, more discerning as a result. We pray that you would do this in us for your glory and out of your love for us and out of your love for all those in our lives that we'll be better ministers of the truth to you for it. It's in your name we pray, amen.